Hashtag Pistons podcast. Uh, welcome to another edition. It, we're, we're feeling like we're pretty good with uh, our setup here, so hopefully we'll be regular at least until the end of the season um, or postseason at this point. So today we are pretty much planning on doing uh, a very full and in-depth breakdown of the Pistons playoff series against the Milwaukee Bucks. I'm, of course, Joe Sinke. You can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore truck. Joined, as usual, by Koo Cahill. You can find him on Twitter at Koo Cahill NBA. He is the site expert, site editor-in-chief of PistonPower.com, which is, of course, fan-sided Detroit Pistons blog. So we can hop right into it. Um, The Pistons are going to play the Bucks. So I think it's fair to say up front, um, this is pretty much the worst thing that could have happened to them as far as the first round of the playoffs for a few different reasons. Um, and we can get into some of the matchup stuff in a little bit, but to start with, it's just simply put, the Bucks are stupidly good. Over the course of the season, they've been pretty easily uh, the best team in the NBA. Uh, they have the best net rating in the NBA by like I think by they have the best net rating by like two point two points per hundred possessions over the second place, which is the Golden State Warriors. So they're just a really good team. And then on top of that, they're a huge matchup issue for the Pistons. Uh, They've got nobody who can guard Giannis. Uh, They don't really have anyone who can even guard Chris Middleton. And on the other end, even if Blake plays and is, you know, fairly healthy, uh, Giannis is the sort of guy that really gives him trouble on the other end. So it really is the worst of everything. And then on top of it all, Blake is probably not going to be healthy all the way. It sounds like they're hoping he plays, but uh, given the way he looked the last time he played, I don't think either of us have a whole lot of hope that he's going to be all that effective. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we can just be honest about that up front. Uh, this is probably about as bad a matchup as the Pistons could have drawn, both in terms of that the Bucks are just so good, and even outside of the fact that they're so good, they're a matchup issue for the Pistons. So, yeah, uh, I think to start off with, I think we could each pick, uh, this would have been a good thing to plan beforehand, uh, we could start off with um, what's the one thing, the one matchup that we think is going to be most important for the Pistons to uh, have succeed in this in this series. Um, not necessarily even a matchup, but just one thing. Uh, and Ku, I've been talking, so you can go first. So let's just what's just one thing that you think is going to be most important uh, for? We won't even say for the Pistons to win, just for the Pistons to be competitive in this series. What's the one place where you see an opportunity for that that they have to nail? Andre Drummond versus whoever is playing center for them. If if Andre's going to have to dominate, he's going to have to dominate the paint, dominate the uh, the boards. And I saw someone tweet earlier. I think it was Nikias. He was talking. He said that he gave the Pistons one game. Can he can see a game with the the Bucks just go cold and Andre Drummond just feast on the boards. So and I that's just going to have to happen. That's why I'm going to be looking forward to if the Pistons want to be competitive at all. Andre Drummond's going to have to play 40-plus minutes. He's going to have to dominate the paint, dominate the boards, and that that's about it. Well, you know, one thing that's added on to that, right, and I, I agree with you, I'm going to say something else, but, um, you know, especially if Blake is going to be hobbled, even if he does play, uh, Andre Drummond is going to be hugely important to them. Uh, one of the things that's going to be interesting to watch is and I suppose, and we talked about this a little bit on the last podcast with one of the things we want to see is they're going to have to push Andre Drummond to like his limits in terms of what he physically is capable of doing. Because 
I mean, so Giannis is obviously a beast, and the Bucks have several guys who can drive to the hoop, and the Pistons have one of the leakiest perimeter defenses in the NBA. I mean, let's just be honest about that. They're terrible on the perimeter. So Andre's going to have to plug a lot of holes, but the issue is that, of course, the Bucks basically never put anybody on the floor other than Giannis who isn't a shooter. And so if Andre's helping off somebody, he's helping off somebody who can shoot. So it's going to be hugely taxing for him to, you know, be able to plug holes, but also recover out onto shooters. Uh, this is also something that terrifies me about Blake Griffin playing, especially if he's going to be hobbled is that and we've talked about it ad nauseum that Blake is not someone who closes out well onto shooters. It's been an absolute issue for him from the start of from the moment he showed up in Detroit. Uh, he's had other issues on defense at times, but the one constant is he does not close out well. And unless he guards Giannis, he's going to have to close out onto shooters. And <laughs> that's a recipe for disaster, quite frankly. So, um, you know, and like you said, he's going to have to be doing work on the offensive glass as well. So it's really going to be a challenge for just how much can you physically push Andre Drummond? Because he's going to have to play like 40 minutes a game. He's going to have to do a ton on both ends of the floor. So. It's going to be interesting to see exactly how far you can push him without, you know, basically killing him. So do you have anything else you want to say on that? I mean, you speaking uh, about that made me think of something else I was looking forward to, okay, a matchup. Uh, Luke Kennard off the bench is going to be really important. The Pistons are going to need him to be playing like he, like he did in that final game and how he was looking before like the final week and a half of the season. If he can provide a spark off the bench and be just scorching hot from deep, that's going to give the Pistons the chance to keep the series competitive. Because without, if Luke's not feeling it and he's not outscoring the other, if he's not bringing it on the offensive end to where he can off-balance, offset what the Bucks are bringing, then uh, it's going to be pretty rough for the Pistons. I, 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 we've already talked about it. Blake's hurt. Andre's going to have to do some things that, we just don't think our is humanly possible. Play forty plus minutes, guard the guard the perimeter, guard the paint, switch on the let the things we we're gonna need him to do is just humanly impossible. So if Luke doesn't come out there and play like like he did in the final game and the little stretch he had, the little month and a half stretch he had, then phew, it's gonna yeah. be it's gonna be rough. Um, yeah, I mean Luke's another one where you know both in terms of something the Pistons need and also something that just sort of as um bigger picture, right, that you want to look at is that uh, when you look at this roster and you look at guys that are hopefully part of the long-term plans in a big way, Luke is one of those guys that you think he's one of the guys they need to continue to pan out. So if he could show up into a playoff series, the first time he's playing the playoffs, obviously, and really show out, that would really be promising for him. And also, um, especially with Malcolm Brogdon hurt, the the main weakness of this Bucks team is probably their guards off the bench so Luke will have an opportunity to go up against some of their weaker players which the Bucks are pretty deep but you know he'll have an opportunity to like be guarded by however old he is George Hill who's really not very good anymore uh, so you know he'll have an opportunity to do some stuff so it'll be really good to see him see him play and hopefully he can play well and also even small picture the Pistons bench really needs him to be on otherwise their bench is prone to get blowout as well uh, the main thing I'm going to look for, it's kind of a smaller section of what you said about Andre, is Andre's offensive rebounding versus the Bucks' transition game. So Milwaukee scores 
more points out of transition than any other team in the NBA. And they're also the best or second best. They might be second best defensive rebounding team in the NBA. So, and a lot of their transition points come from the fact that Giannis Antetokounmpo is a really good rebounder and their scheme is set up to let him get lots of rebounds and then immediately take off. And that's an issue for most teams, but the Pistons are a team that hypothetically, if Andre Drummond can manage to get enough offensive rebounds, first off, it's an issue because the Bucks don't usually give up very many offensive rebounds, but also if he can be enough of a presence on the glass to force them to send that extra guy back and not get out in transition, that's the big thing to me because the Bucks are not, and they're still deadly. They're still a pain, but if you can make them play in the half court, you're going to have a lot easier time. In the half court, it's easier to scheme around the fact that Giannis Antetokounmpo can't shoot. In the half court, it's easier to have your guys stick with the right matchups. Um, Giannis in the half court is prone to trying too hard. He misses some passes that he shouldn't miss. He sometimes will commit charges. He leads the NBA in charges committed this season, for instance. So I think that's the main spot I see where the Pistons have a matchup that they could potentially... Um, try and even things out a little bit. And on the flip side, it's entirely possible that the Bucks are, because once again, they're a great defensive rebounding team. They've really cleaned their own glass. And so it's also possible that they could totally shut out one of the main sources of offense for the Pistons, which is, of course, Andre Drummond putback. So that's the main thing that I see. If the Bucks manage to keep Andre Drummond off the offensive glass and get out into transition, the Pistons are going to get absolutely slaughtered in every single game, I think. But if Andre can get himself on the offensive glass and cause enough issues that it disrupts the Bucks' transition game, that gives that's going to start to even the field a little bit because it's going to take something that is one of the Bucks' biggest strengths and could potentially neutralize it. So that's the main thing to me that I see. Uh, you know, if there's one sort of matchup thing that I could have go the Pistons' way, that's what it would be. It would be that Andre's going to get on the offensive glass and disrupt their transition game. So, yeah, if you want to, I don't know if you have anything to tack onto that or not, but. Okay. Nope, um, you said so then on to the next thing. We talked about this a little bit last time, but what would you do, Kuka Hill, if you are Dwayne Casey right now, okay, and you're looking at that man, Giannis Antetokounmpo, the greatest physical presence the NBA has seen since Shaquille O'Neal. Literally broke Shaquille O'Neal's record for points in the paint in a season. Literally. The man led the NBA in unassisted dunks. He had more unassisted dunks than most teams did. What are you doing if you're Dwayne Casey to try and hold him in check? So we're going, you're going yep. bigger than just anything who's you guard think him, just that you're schematically gonna... that you can try to do. So who's guarding him? How much help are you giving on him or not giving on? Like the whole deal. Explain to me how you, Kukil, if you were the coach of the Detroit Pistons right now, what would you be trying to do to try and slow down Giannis Antetokounmpo? All right. Well, there's a couple of things that, that I, I'm thinking of. And, and it, what's it called? <laughs> Pretty much the reason why I say a couple of things is you're just going to have to try. You're going to have to get creative with it, because especially because the Pistons just have literally no kind of size in the wing. So it's not like you can – there's an ideal matchup that you can at least put on him and hope that they do the best. No, it's you have to get creative. So here's a few things. One, I'm going to go through all the options. Option one, you can have Andre Drummond on him, which 
weird and have him just play off of him like to the key, make him shoot and just, you know, tell him to put his hands up, jump vertically and just so do okay, the best here, you can. I want no, to we already talked about that last train. podcast. That- Andre Agnanis is because like you said, we okay. did talk about this some last time. The two main worries there are first off, Giannis draws a ton of fouls and you can't afford to have Andre Drummond in foul trouble. Now, the second thing is, as I touched on before, yeah. Um, you know, there's only so much Andre can physically do and guarding Giannis is hugely taxing, right? So, you know, you don't want to ask him to do too much because he's got to play 40 minutes a game and such, right? The thing about this is if Blake Griffin plays and is mm-hmm. at least like, you know, 85% physically right, this becomes a lot more tenable because I'm a lot more comfortable playing Andre on Giannis if I can put Blake Griffin on Brooke Lopez, Right as opposed to putting Thon Maker on Brooke Lopez. Because even though, as we talked about, I don't mind daring Brooke Lopez to hurt me inside just because it goes against a lot of what the Bucks want to do. Thon Maker doing that, Thon's not a whole lot of use on that, on the inside, right? And also that's a much easier thing for Blake to do defensively. It's not an easy thing to cover Lopez, but it's simpler than having him guard Giannis. Whereas if Blake's out, Thon, I'm throwing Thon at him and just saying, Thon, go for it, right? I think Thon is not that much worse an option to defend Giannis one-on-one than Andre that you take that trade-off. But you can keep going with what you're saying. Yeah, so basically, basically, yeah, we talked about it last podcast. Joe just summed it up. That's an option, but then there's lots of negatives that go with it that could possibly hurt the Pistons, like Andre could get in foul trouble. He goes out, we see Zaza too much, and that would just – not only would we get blown out, we just wouldn't have fun watching. So that's just something that would happen. And then also, are you gonna, would Andre just be just dead tired from doing that in the defensive end? How much could he give you on the glass and, and roll into the rim? How much could he give you there? So that's an option. I think you, I think personally we might see that in, in – on certain possessions at certain times in the game, but primarily or majority well, of the one, time. One, one other thing I want so to hop there's, in. There's Sorry, there's I keep one interrupting you. Second it's my podcast. I can interrupt you. <laughs> um, is that, no, once see, again, if Blake is playing and in at least somewhat decent shape, like he can move a little bit, um, you can have him and Andre just switch a lot of stuff too. That's the other thing that's a benefit of playing Blake potentially because – you know, so then if now they don't run a lot of like outright pick and rolls, but you know, if Giannis and Brooke Lopez are doing pick and pop sort of stuff, Andre and Blake can just switch that, right? Because it's like for like. So that's another thing that, and you're a lot more comfortable doing that once again if it's Blake instead of Thon. So yeah, that's just another thing I wanted to put in there. Go for your second thing. All right, well, the second option, this is this is assuming Blake's healthy. You put Blake on him, which uh, I don't think that's – that's probably one of the most – the least likely ones I want to do because Blake's hurt, and if he's out there and Giannis starts attacking him, uh, I don't see what much Blake could even if, – if Blake is wasting all his energy on defense while he's already hurt, barely able to walk, he's not going to be able to give us much of anything on offense. So there's an option, but it's not one that I would pursue. Okay, here. Well, and before you go on to your next, there's only one, two more okay, I have left. I've got something to say about and, the Blake option. So, um, so my full series preview went up this morning. Which, if you want to, you can go read that. It's on my Twitter. It's on my site. It's on the Piston subreddit. It's sticking to the top. It's almost it's almost four thousand words. So, if you have some time and want to do that, go read that. Um, while doing that, 
I actually did warm up a little bit to the idea of Blake guarding Giannis if Blake is feeling fairly healthy, right? Like, I'm, we've already talked about this quite a bit, that if Blake's not feeling ready to go, like, if he's feeling like he was the last two games he played against the Hornets and Grizzlies, I'd honestly just say just don't play. At that point, you're hurting the team by being out on the floor. You can't move, right? But if he's actually able to play, there's a couple of reasons why. First off is, as I mentioned earlier, Giannis, particular in the half court, is prone to committing charges. He likes to barrel into the paint, and he is not, you know, that's that's one of the few holes you can poke into his game. Who's really good at taking charges? Blake Griffin. He takes a lot of them. I mean, he ran, what? He was like second or third in the entire NBA in charges drawn this year. So that's one thing. And then second off... Blake's biggest deficiency on defense all season is that he can't close out on the shooters, right? Giannis isn't a shooter. You don't need him to close out on him. So, and one of Blake's biggest strengths is that he's, well, he's big and strong. So he's hard to move in the post. So I actually think if Blake is feeling up for it, that's not such a terrible idea. Because first off, it's the you're you don't have to worry about the worst thing that you can run into with Blake's defense, which is him having to close out on shooters all the time because he can't do it. He's awful at it. Teams are bombing you from three. You're playing to Blake's strength, which is you know sort of a guy trying to bully him inside. And because of Blake's propensity to draw charges, you could maybe even get Giannis into some foul trouble with Blake on him. So once again, like you said. His health is a huge question here. And then also, as we brought up with Andre, um, you don't want to overtax a guy, right? Like, you don't want to kill Blake. We need Blake. If, if Blake's healthy to go, you need him on offense. And he's going to be getting guarded by Giannis, almost certainly. So it's going to be hugely taxing for him on offense, too. You don't want to kill him. But if he is up and ready to go, I've actually warmed up to the idea of Blake on him, especially because of the fact that I think it's fair to assume that um, in the playoffs, Blake will play with a little more defensive intensity than he did for a lot of the regular season, uh, just because guys like him tend to do that where, you know, they're smart enough to know where to be. They're good athletes and such. Uh, just They just kind of don't care in the regular season, right? And that's not the biggest deal. We've talked about that a ton. In the playoffs, I'm going to assume that he's going to bring it a little more. So I've actually warmed up to the idea of, Blake guarding him some if Blake is ready to go. So you can go on to your next options. All right. So see, I, I disagree with Joe because that the if that he keeps putting out there is like a huge if to me. I just don't think he's going to be healthy because like from everything we've, we've been told from Dwayne Casey and all we've been hearing is, well, it can't get any worse. Well, that doesn't really and that we saw that rumor go around on Twitter uh, I forgot who tweeted it, but that he he's going to get surgery once uh, the season ends. Uh, if that doesn't sound like something that gets better during rest, that sounds like well, it is what it is. It's going to stay this way, and you're just going to have to go through it. It's not going to get worse, but it's definitely not going to get any better. It, rest isn't going to fix it. The only thing that's going to fix it is surgery. So I don't really expect Blake to be good come play, like come this series time. I hope he is. I hope he. I don't like I said earlier in the group. I don't know if the NBA is like the NFL. I don't know much about that part of the NBA. But hey, if this is the NFL, give them a bunch of pills, have them have them some pain tolerance, just go out there and play. But I just I don't know. I, he might be able to fight through it some more because the playoffs. And he knows how serious it is. But I saw I saw a guy go out there, uh, our second to last game against the Grizzlies, 
tried to play his hardest to get us in the playoffs and couldn't move and was literally getting emotional on the bench because he knew that he, no matter how much he tried, he he physically was just not capable of doing it. And that 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 seriously worries me. So ideally, if he was healthy, yeah, I agree with Joe wholeheartedly because we saw Blake guard Giannis during the regular season too when he was healthy. But okay. well, I just I think that's thing, one of okay. the biggest ifs, if he, and I just don't no, see We both it agree, I think. So, if he's as unable to move as he was against the Grizzlies, he should not play, right? Like, we can both agree with that. There's no – if you can't hardly walk – yeah. I mean, you're just you're you're literally making the team worse by being on the floor. They're play they played four on five when he was on the floor against Grizzlies. If it's that bad, he should not play. But if he's like healthy enough that he can at least play and not just automatically be totally deficient, wouldn't you still think that closing out on shooters is the thing you want to avoid the most? And sort of once again, now Giannis is such a freak that you still have to move, obviously, but there's not as much movement as there is as guarding anybody else out there because you're anyone else on the floor. They do not put places to hide on the floor, right? It's either a shooter or it's Giannis or it's Eric Bledsoe. So even if he's not healthy and he's not moving that well, if he's going to be playing, wouldn't you rather him guard Giannis and just say, well, Blake, just stand in the paint and get in his way. And that's what you're going to have to do, right? See, this is why this is why I disagree with that because at least, well, once again, Joe Pye has watched more Bucks than I have this year. But from what I've watched the Bucks, and from what I've watched the Pistons go against the Bucks, uh, Giannis Giannis likes to post up a lot again, or he likes to drive and then put his back to the basket, like once he gets closer and just bully you in. A lot of that's going when fighting back at that. A lot of your strength is coming from your lower lower body you're using your th- your legs to to fight him back if if Blake's leg is 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 like falling off if it, if he's hurt and he's spending his time bullying up against that and his knee is spent on defense trying his hardest to hold up against Giannis in the post either one he's just going to get posterized or just dominate on defense because he's not going to give it as much as he can because he's hurt or two he's going to try and then he just won't be able to do anything okay, on offense that's What's your so next that's option? why I don't agree with that Uh, my next option is to play zone. So, like that, that, that I mean, and that really, that's the only three options I got. I mean, because uh, the other options are if Blake doesn't play. If Blake doesn't play, you have to put Thon on him, and then, or see, yeah, probably Thon on him if Blake doesn't play. Or really, outside of that, it's just play zone. And those all four of those options, I think, are just bad. So, like you said at the beginning of this podcast, this was like the worst matchup the Pistons could have possibly gotten because they're going against likely the NBA MVP and Giannis, and he's just – they have no one, not even – not a single person who can even smell or even dream of trying to guard him. So, it's just – it's zone, play Andre on him, play Blake on him, play Thon on him, or zone. And and like you said earlier, you asked me earlier, do you double, do you leave him, blah, blah. If I'm the Pistons, I'm gonna say uh, make Giannis beat us. Uh, it's it's a lot of it's that kind of uh, someone listening may not may think that's crazy, but listen, I've I've seen other teams do it with uh, LeBron. I've seen actually you see teams all the time do it with LeBron in the playoffs, mostly the Warriors, but in the finals or, or any team against them in the finals, have LeBron beat you but take away everybody else. LeBron's gonna do his thing. You can't really stop him. 
he's going to do his thing. Giannis, he's a dominant freak. He, he's a dominant freak. Shaq isn't calling him Superman now, his old nickname for nothing. You're not really going to stop him. It's going to be hard as hell to stop him, especially if you don't have anyone who's as strong as him, <laughs> Stanley. But it, especially when you don't have anybody who can even size up against him or have a chance. I would say just have Giannis, let, let Giannis do his thing. Let him go off for 50 if he does, but literally take away everybody else you possibly can. Don't let him kick out the shooters. If he wants to take twos all day, let him take the twos. But do not let him get multiple kickout threes. Don't let Brooke Lopez bomb you for seven threes. Don't let don't let Chris Middleton destroy you, which Chris Middleton just might do it anyways because he's the same thing with Giannis. We don't have anybody who can really guard him. So it really is just I would rather have Giannis go off, do his thing, do whatever he has okay, to do. So then with that. But just take option. away literally everybody else and just hope that gets Wouldn't you somewhere. Wouldn't your best hope then be you just say screw it and you put Andre on him and you just tell him, Andre, first off, Andre, don't fall out. But you're, we're not sending you help. You're going to get beat a bunch and Giannis is – basically you do what the 4 Pistons did, told Ben Wallace against Shaquille O'Neal in the 4 finals, right? You say, Ben, we're not sending help to you. He's going to score a bazillion points. Your job is to just stop him enough, right? Like, he's going to score a ton of points. He's going to do it efficiently. You just need to keep him from scoring every single time. And, you know, it would be very difficult just because Giannis is that kind of hard. I'd be very worried about Andre getting into bad foul trouble. but. I think if there's one dude in the NBA who's physically capable of doing that sort of a thing to Giannis, it might be Andre, right? Like, and let's be honest about this, okay? Is there any dude other than Andre Drummond who is just enough of a physical freak in terms of size and quickness that they stand any chance of going toe-to-toe with Giannis? Is there anybody else? Yeah. I mean... You know... I mean, I, I always like to call Andre. Like, he's like a guard inside of the center's body because he's so um, quick. He's he's laterally quick. You could quick. probably say like Kevin Durant is in there. He's not as strong as Andre, obviously, but he's. I just anybody in the league who's anyone because remember, Giannis oh, is seven feet like tall a big man. with a long wingspan, right? Like you can put Paul George on him and he's going to bully Paul George and dunk on him, right? Like, is there anybody in the NBA other than Andre? who has a combination of big enough that mm-hmm. he just he can't just dunk on you every single time, but also fast enough to potentially stay in front of him. Is there anybody else? I'd say maybe Kevin Durant. I'm, five, six years ago, LeBron probably could have. Um, uh, Kevin Durant. I mean, I don't know. Iguodala's pretty small, though. Like I'm five, six years ago, I think Iggy could have. Yeah, Iggy's pretty strong though. For him. Iggy's well, like just, Iggy's like what Iggy you say about Bruce like, Brown. What, like he six, he's just ripped. Eight, you don't six, know nine. it, but then he's just like strong as hell. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, like, but he got he got super it, long arms too. Yeah, I at this point. So okay, so I won't say like five years ago. I mean, it's not so like in the league the right point. now. No, I'd say many. Kevin Durant would have a shot, although Kevin Durant's skinny enough that he'd have serious troubles. Andre and. I I think Joel Embiid could do it for short stretches. Um, he tires out pretty quick when he gets asked to do stuff on the perimeter. 
yeah. at least a lot quicker than Andre. I anybody, any big guy is going to tire out if you ask him to do stuff outside. Um, but Embiid could for at least a stretch. I don't think he would hold up as well long term as Andre would, but Embiid could do it. Yeah, I'd probably say Ben Simmons also. He'd probably be a good option for it. Ben uh, Simmons. I don't think there's really anybody else though. Maybe Jonathan Isaac. Maybe maybe Jonathan Isaac of the Magic. I really like that guy. Um, yeah, there's not many good options. Ooh, speaking of the Magic, Gordon's a little bit short. Aaron Gordon, I, I would think. put him on. See, Jonathan Isaac is built a lot. Like he's still a little bit skinnier because he's so young. But like he's got that same deal where he's like seven feet tall, really quick, and really long. Um, Gordon's yeah, strong skinny. enough for it. But he might be, you know, a little bit like, and once again, this isn't even to say that like Aaron Gordon's not a phenomenal defender. It's a little bit like with Paul George. Paul George has a legitimate case to maybe be defensive player of the year this year. He just doesn't have that extra two inches to bother him inside, right? Like, so I don't know that I, I, I would, if I was the Pistons, I would fucking yeah. kill to have Aaron Gordon to throw on him given their other options, obviously. But, yeah, I think there's maybe a handful of dudes in the league that yeah. are physically capable with that combination of size and speed to potentially handle him. So, yeah, maybe that's just your best option to just tell Andre and then, you know, if Andre comes out, you can also have Thon do it some. And, you know, after that, I guess here's a, here's another question, okay? Um, and it, You know, I'll finish my thought before I go into that. But you just tell him, you know, we're not going to send help to him. And we're going to just stick right to the three-point shooters. And if Giannis dunks us to death, Giannis dunks us to death. And that's what you do. Um, I'm not sure that that's how I would go, but there's definitely – there's credence to it for sure. And it's something that has worked in the past with other guys. You brought up LeBron. Um, that's another – it's it's worked before. It's also not worked before. The series where the Cavs actually beat the Warriors – um, one of the issues is that the Warriors did not want to help off of LeBron, and he gave them big issues. Then, And here's something that actually makes that parallel a little bit, is that when there's not other guys on the floor who can really hurt you off the dribble, that works better. But so, like, one of the things that gave the Warriors issues in that series is that so LeBron can do that, but then if LeBron needs to take a couple of plays off, right, He's kicking, he's kicking it out to Kyrie Irving and Kyrie Irving's not just a spot up shooter, right? Like, and if you're scrambling out to him, Kyrie Irving's taking you off the dribble and cooking you. Right. So even if you're staying on yeah. Chris Middleton and Eric Bledsoe, so that they're not getting to open threes. First off, Chris Middleton is tall enough that he's going to be able to shoot over any of the Pistons wings. So even if it's semi-contested, he's going to be able to hit shots, but also both of those guys are able to put it on the floor and they're going to hurt you still. So that's one thing that would be an issue with that. Obviously, neither of those guys are Kyrie Irving. Like, duh. But I mean, this is the thing about that. This, this is the thing about – yeah, yeah. But, but, like, it's the kind of the same thing – well, it, this is kind of the same thing they, they would say about the Warriors before KD just made it unfair, is that is, – you know, make Clay put it on the ground because it's not like Clay can't do it. It's not like Chris Middleton can't do it, but it's – they do it much. They don't do it as good as they do shooting, and you almost ra- you'd rather them do that because you have a better chance against them putting it on the ground than you do them just spotting up and drilling you from outside. So I'd rather. That's why I'm saying I'd rather. And also about the Andre thing, it may, like I said, it makes sense to do it. 
And I'd much rather do it if Blake was healthy. Because even if Andre were to get into foul trouble, we'll at least have Blake there. But it, Blake's not healthy. I really am scared after that last podcast we had of even if you tell Andre don't foul, he, he's going to foul and he might get in foul trouble. And if we see Zaza Pachulia at all in this series, it's it's literally going to be over. Well, so, so it's like something. So like here's the real issue. The with best the option for the Pistons is something they probably Andre can't do. Totally up on because, defense, whether that's they don't have a no combination of just physical energy, which once again, to make it clear, just because some people struggle to realize this, okay, there are, no matter how good a shape you're in, there are physically limits to what you can do, okay? There are some phenomenal players who have just been sp- – all right, so like, for instance, okay, Russell Westbrook, widely known, one of the most fanatical tryhards in NBA history, right? Phenomenal shape. A couple of years ago, and in the playoffs, more than once, it's happened where he just gets spent because he does too much, right? It is literally – so it's not a, well, Andre needs to get in better shape. Andre's in phenomenal shape. He played like 38 minutes a game over the last couple of weeks of the season, right? We've got faith in Andre Drummond to stay in shape. The issue is just there are physical limitations, okay? So I just wanted to throw that in there. But um, the reason why it's a particular issue if Blake's not going to be ready to go, right? Even if Blake plays, if he's not a, you know able to be the Blake Griffin we need, is that other than Blake Griffin, Everybody else on this team really needs the action to get them open to be Drummond screening and rolling, right? To re- for Reggie Jackson to be effective in the offense, you need him to get a screen and roll from Andre to create space. For Luke Kennard to be effective in the offense, you need someone to screen and roll for him, etc. You know, everything else. So if Blake's not ready to go, Andre is at the center of all of your offensive production, even if he's not the guy taking the shots, right? You need him to do that. And that's one of the reasons why it would really make a big difference for Blake, even if he's not 100%, to be able to at least do his thing and be somewhat effective. Because then you can have Andre take some plays off on offense. Then you don't have Andre need to have Andre be your the center of your offense so you can use him more on defense, right? Because like if Blake, if Blake's out, for instance, okay, so like let's just say it, right? Blake is not playing. And Andre gets in foul trouble. It's not your just mm-hmm. your defense is screwed. Your offense is done for. Reggie Jackson isn't create. All right, like even aside from the fact that Reggie Jackson is not the same that he once was. Eric Bledsoe is probably going to be first team all defense this year, right? Probably. I've seen a lot of people vote. I voted for him today in the um, NBA subreddit vote. Okay, like Reggie Jackson's not going to create space without a good screen and roll. Luke Kennard's not creating space without a good screen, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Like, you need him out there for your offense to have any chance of being functional. So that's a big thing for that. Um, So that's another reason why, like you said, if Blake is playing, you're more comfortable doing this. Because then if Andre gets in foul trouble and goes out, yeah, your defense is in some serious issue. But you maybe just toss Thon out there, tell Thon the same thing. Hey, try not to foul, but we're going to leave you on an island and you pray Thon works. But if Blake Griffin is able to actually play, then you can have your offense just be all Blake Griffin stuff and you your offense doesn't die. So, yeah, I don't know. Do you have anything else you want to take on to that? Okay. Okay, so the last thing is, so we both agree, um, okay, there's actually in an one thing that world, popped in my head that I wanted to talk primary about. primary guy you want on him is probably Andre. Assuming, at least in particular, assuming Blake Griffin is not really ready, okay? Andre's your first guy. And Thon, right? Those are your two main guys, okay? Who is your third guy? 
right? Because between foul trouble and or fatigue and or whatever, someone else is going to have to be the primary defender of Giannis for at least some stretches in this series. Who's your third guy? Okay. I don't know about that, man. Glenn Robinson. I mean, Joe, I'm trying you to say decide. that as if we have like other options. I, like, I, part of me I'm wants picking, to say I'm John picking from Lord the bottom here. of the barrel here. And he could basically go with the strategy of you're tall enough to have some shot inside and just play way off of him. But John Lure has actually defended Giannis in the past, and he's gotten absolutely slaughtered by him. Like, absolutely slaughtered. So, like, on paper, it hypothetically could kind of work, but it hasn't worked at all in practice. We've seen this. He just gets destroyed um, by him. You know, I'd consider just trying Wayne Ellington. Wayne Ellington's a little bit stronger than... Okay, Wayne Ellington's a little bit stronger than Glenn Robinson. Got a little bit lower center of gravity. A little bit more disciplined. So, potentially has a better shot of keeping him out of the... Like you said, Koo, we do not have a good option here. Joe, smoking. Really? No, no, Joe, Joe, I understand that, but even with the bad options, Wayne Ellington's like towards the bottom okay, of my list. Any of, of these people are getting destroyed by Giannis. We're trying to pick yes. who's going to get destroyed slightly Wayne less. Wayne Ellington would get destroyed by Giannis. Yeah, but this is the thing about this is the thing about 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 Wayne. Here here are some of the things I can say about Glenn. Well, Glenn's taller, he has long arms, and he can jump. So, I mean, he can try to contest shots at the rim. He can try that. Well, Ellington is smaller. He doesn't have long arms. He can't jump very high. So, it's like even if he does have – even if he is slightly stronger than Glenn, he's he's not stronger than Yas. So, Yas is going to bully him. Yeah, and he's not yeah, going to contest I've, stuff. I've made he's my not decision. Tall enough to he's not going to be able to jump to contest stuff. And he's not going to be strong times. enough to stop him from posterizing him. So, it's like – let me tell you something, okay? I've talked I've talked to Kyrie Thomas before. You wanna know who is thick? What? Like okay, like there's some guys no, that no. look kind of thick by NBA standards, but like you see him in person, it's like nah, like NBA players are typically really lean. Kyrie Thomas is thick. Like that is a strong dude. So you know what? Screw it. Yeah, that's it. That's who my third guy to be. And if he gets inside your, if he gets inside your dumb four, and you just hope that Kyrie Thomas is strong enough and low enough to the ground right, that so he keeps I, him I at least ten feet away from the basket, and that's basically what Stanley Johnson did. Stanley, when Giannis got no, okay, I'm not saying that he would replicate what Stanley Johnson did. I'm just saying that's what Stanley Johnson no, did. It was hugely effective. Don't you dare! When Giannis dare. got all the way inside, Stanley Johnson was dumb for because Stanley Johnson wasn't tall enough or athletic enough to contest him at all. Stanley Johnson bothers Giannis because he's just so strong. He put it. He sat on the ground and just said, you're not getting within 10 feet of the basket. When Giannis did get within 10 feet of the basket, whether it's in transition or anything else, it was dumb for Stanley had no shot. He just said, I'm going to plant myself here and you're not getting closer than that. So I, and I think basically I'm saying that I think that after Andre and Th- well, Thon's not that strong anyways, but after Andre, I think Kyrie Thomas is the strongest dude on the roster. I Zaza Pachulia is probably strong, but we don't want Zaza trying this. So yeah, that's it. I'm I'm trying Kyrie Thomas. I'm telling him sit on the ground and don't move. What? 
Okay, so I don't know if any of you guys have seen the seen the video of Max talking about Tom Brady. You Max Kellerman talking about Tom Brady, and you see Stephen A. just get up off the set, walk to the camera, wave goodbye, and walk out. That's what I'm doing right. I'm walking out my room, and I'm I'm waving goodbye. Joe means he's fresh, ready to go. Joe Kyrie Thomas hasn't played more than two minutes in like the last. Glenn Robinson, Glenn Robinson knows he's out of this team at the end of the season anyways. He doesn't care. He's got one foot out the door. Kyrie Thomas he's is fresh. He's ready to go. Nope, I'm sticking with it. Kyrie Thomas, stronger than anybody else. I'm going to plant him 15 feet from the hoop and tell him, just be thick, be strong, don't let him move you. If he gets inside, you're done for. Other than that, just don't let him move you. That's what I'm doing. I think it's good. That's it. That's my plan. That is my plan for the third guy. If Andre and Thon can't do it, that's my man. Okay. Um, you said you had something you wanted to talk about. So <laughs> go to the next topic. That buffoonery. Okay. Um so I, I forgot it. I, I don't know what that else we talk about here. Um Okay. Oh, nope. I know what I was going to nope. ask you. I don't want Zaza. Actually, on no, I don't know what I'm going to ask you, but okay. I'm just, and there's I'm just more than one, and it's more than just the fact that Zaza's horrible. Okay, should Zaza it's see that, the court in all um, this series? The only reason at this point, in particular because <laughs> he's played so well, that you would think about playing Zaza is basically if Thon and or even John Luer or whoever you know they're just getting bullied inside. They're not big and strong enough, right? The Bucks are not a team that goes for offensive rebounds other than Giannis, and Giannis doesn't get them because he's bigger and stronger. He gets them because he's a freak athlete, right? So Zaza's not going to do any good keeping Giannis off the offensive glass if Giannis decides to go for it, right? So, and other than that, it's like Brook Lopez never goes inside. He takes threes. Zaza's not helpful for that, right? And there are other bigs. They don't even play any other bigs practically. So if, so yeah, so if Andre gets in foul trouble, I'm playing Thon at center. I'm playing John Lure at center. I'm saying screw it and putting Glenn Robinson at center, whatever. Like, I'm not. I'm not playing Zaza. This is a t- yes. Zaza Patrulia is going to play in this series. Absolutely. Andre is going to get the foul trouble. Andre is going to get the foul trouble, and Zaza Patrulia will play. I don't think that he's going to be a planned. He's not going to be a planned part of the rotation, just like he wasn't at the in the last few games of the season. But also, just like in the last couple games of the season, he's still going to play some. They're going to force him into the game. <laughs> I, I'll simply tell you guys this. You guys remember that rant I went on a couple months ago? I'll go on a rant. If if if, 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 if I see Zaza Pachulia ha- play in game one, you can guarantee that I'll be on this podcast after game one spazzing. Because I, I better not see Zaza play a single minute. Even just that I'm Zaza's serious. I, I'm so with Joe on that. When he said Glenn Robinson really, at center, I okay, literally will like, play anybody else at center okay. besides Zaza. They were playing the Boston Celtics, all right? And the Celtics backup bigs. No, Aaron Baines actually started. No, so you're either going against Aaron Baines or Daniel Tice, right? Both big, strong guys who can give you issues inside, right? I could see playing Zaza for a few minutes then if Andre gets into foul trouble just because Thon's going to get obliterated on the offensive glass, okay? The Bucks don't have that. There's no one, there's literally no reason for Zaza to play in nope. this series. None at all. 
the one reason why he can be useful is not even going to be useful. So, yeah, no, Zaza shouldn't play at all. I, w- I would not put him on the floor once. Okay, go for it. Uh, well, I just remembered what the original thing I was going to say to you. All right, so this is a question. This is a question and a, a statement all in one. What? Actually, let me ask you your question. I'm going to ask you what you think this is, and then I'll tell you what my answer is. What, what do you What do you think is the Pistons' best chance to win a game? Like, what do they need to do on the court? Like, what's something that we haven't seen okay, well, or kind of something that we've seen a little bit of is that, they that we need to do? Like, something that you just, just pops That's off the top of your head that we need to do the if Bucks we want to get out in transition, they slaughter you. Make them play in the half court, their offense is mortal, right? It's still really good, but it's not nearly as devastating if you keep it in the half court. But I already said that, so we'll say another one. Um, the, main, the main scenario I see where the Pistons steal a game is – Basically, a game where Wayne Ellington, Langston Galloway, and Luke Kennard get red hot from three. Reggie Jackson, too. We'll toss him in there. Um, you know, basically, the shooters on the team get hot, and the Pistons hit, like, 23-pointers. That's pretty much what I would see with it. Because um, in the reality is that those three guys are the sort of shooters that that could happen, right? And other than that, though, the Pistons' wings are going to be so comically outmatched that the Pistons are going to be pretty much screwed. So the only way I see them stealing a game is if their wings all get really hot from three. I have something else, and I haven't seen nobody say this, so I kind of feel like that this is this is one of Koo's hot takes. Okay. I, I haven't you, I haven't you, seen you, no one else say this. I might get laughed at for just, saying this, but say it. it's something I can see, and I I think this is a key to us. I think if we do this, not only can we win a game, I think we can just, we can stay competitive. If and if Joe's not going to like this, dude, <laughs> I think the Pistons are going to have to get out and transition. I think I think that if that I think you're going to have to tell Reddie Jackson. And if Freddie Jackson can't do it, you're going to need Ish to do it. I think the Pistons are going to have to get out in transition and get and get points outside the half court offense. Because if Blake's, let, let's go through both the scenarios. If Blake's not healthy and he can't even play, the half court's not going to look good against the Bucks anyways because they're a good defensive team. And Andre's not going to be able. Andre can't create his own shot, and the people around him aren't good enough players to to really make a difference off his screens to the point of matching the Bucks. Then if Blake does play and he's semi-healthy, Blake's not going to be able to carry the offense like he did in the beginning of the season, midway through the season. He's not going to be able to do the things that we expect him to do. He's The best thing at this point, if Blake plays, it, I expect him to do what you said earlier, him be able to just do the little dribble handoffs and set good screens and have the chemistry that he does with Luke Kennard, Wayne Ellington, Langston, all of them on the beyond the perimeter. I think, it, I think the Pistons, Andre needs to get the board, they need to get out and run. They need to get. They need to go out, try to get as many easy baskets as possible before the Bucks get set. Before all they're long, and because they got they got Giannis, who's just freakishly long. Chris Middleton's long. 
Uh, Eric Bledsoe, like you said, is a is an all defensive first team player. He averaged uh, like we got Brooke Lopez, Brooke Lopez like who he, he's actually. A, uh, I feel like Brook Lopez has become an underrated yeah. inside he, defender. So okay, he used to be a pretty so good defender he, uh, inside. I thought there's a stat, and then they also where, at, at the four. Um, I forget exactly what the numbers were, but he hit more three pointers this, this season, season than Dirk Nowitzki. So he's not underrated. Still, he's and he good. blocked okay. more shots than Kevin Garnett ever did in a season. Well, he's not – he's – even with that, he's not that great of a defender. Okay, see, he's that's, that's terrible wild. on the perimeter. See, I didn't know – I, 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 I always thought slow. that he was a good defender, but um, I didn't know if he was A lot of it is the scheme now, that but. the Bucks run, where their entire scheme is sort of built around the fact that, first off, Giannis is an absolute monster, right? And also yeah, to sort of make but, it so that Brook Lopez has to move as little as possible. So it's not that difficult to put him in situations where he's an issue on defense – but if you don't, if you can't force him out of those situations, which especially if Blake's not right, the Pistons can't really do. Um, yeah, he if he it, basically if you let Brooke Lopez stay right in the paint and stay by the hoop, he's an issue. Yeah. Yeah. So. So basically, the half court offense, I just don't see the Pistons being able to do much against against their defense. So I, I would be out in transition. But this is the negative to that. And Joe mentioned it earlier, the Bucks are a tremendous transition team. So if you're going out there on the break and you're turning the ball over, Reggie Jackson's turning the ball over on the break, or you're kicking, you're not getting layups to the rim. You're going out fast as hell, fast, fast, and you're getting Luke Kennard three, Wayne Ellington three out in transition, and they're missing then the Bucks are going back down transition, 5-4 and four most likely, and that's not a situation you want to be in. But the Pistons are probably not going to win this series, and I'm picking the best of two evils, and I really don't see the Pistons being able to do much in the half court. And the best scenario I can see is Reggie Jackson pushing the pace, trying to get easy basket at the rim, drawing fouls in transition. You're going to draw fouls in transition if you attack the basket. I think the Pistons need to go out and run. And if Reggie Jackson is not capable of doing that, I'll play Ishmith. Ishmith, I'll tell Ishmith, run as hard as you can. Do your little change of tempo stuff. Do as, do it as much okay. as you can, and when you get I'm tired, we'll put Reggie back in. Reggie will do it too. That, this this is what my plan would be, like and I think that's the best chance to because the, the basic court, principle behind it that. is good, and it's just in general, it's something that's a good idea. When, for whatever reason, when your half court offense is totally hampered, trying desperately to get out in transition is a good option. Okay, and I would say that the Pistons should try to selectively push the ball, like. If they get a chance to do it, they should absolutely go for it. But I hate to break it to you. No, I hate to break it to you. It's they can push the ball all they want. It's not going to work. The Bucks are the Bucks literally allowed less transition points than any team I can in the NBA this the issue, I was going to say, for, the and there's issue. two reasons for it. First off, is that it's a schematic thing. Okay, Mike Budenholzer is a coach who's a big believer in just I I and I know this all because of in my preview that I put up this morning, I spent a pretty decent section talking about exactly this. Okay, Mike Budenholzer is a coach who really believes in just punting on offensive rebounds. Okay, the Bucks are the second best defensive rebounding team in the NBA. They ranked like 25th in offensive rebounding. They don't even try for offensive rebounds. They just get back on defense. That's all they do, okay? So, and then the second thing is that they have Giannis, right? And first off, Giannis is a chase-down block artist, 
So even if you get out in transition, like Reggie Jackson is not out running, nobody on the Pistons out running Giannis. Giannis is chasing you down. But also because Giannis has the ball a lot and plays almost like a guard, even off of missed shots, Giannis is often already back. So he doesn't even, they don't even need to have him do a chase down block. He's just back there. So one of the reasons why transition is often such a good option is that the opposing team's bigs will be under the hoop, right? So if you run out, you're very often able to beat the opposing bigs back so you can try and finish layups over guards instead of bigs. Giannis Antetokounmpo is back there. Giannis will block the ever-loving hell out of your shot, right? Like, So it's not actually even that big of a benefit. So, And there is something there that you touched on, though, that I did want to say. And this is going to be something with um, Dwayne Casey It'll be easy to tell right away or not whether or not he's really been paying attention and really game planning. Because if he has, something he's going to do is anytime Giannis Antetokounmpo comes out of the game, Ishmith has to be in. Because the only chance you have at getting out in transition is when Giannis is out. Right? Because between the scheme and having Giannis on the floor, it is impossible. It's it's basically a fool's errand to try and run. Right? Simply put. Now, like if Giannis goes to the hoop and he falls over and misses a shot, get the rebound, go for it. Like you said, they should look to push when they can. But for the most part, there's hardly any point because you just they're too they're too fundamentally sound. They've got a guy. So like and we talk about all the time, right? With Andre. Andre's like a cheat code because he allows you to get on the offensive glass and still have a great transition defense, right? That's one of the things that's just like he's an exception to the rule that he just does. Giannis is the same way for transition defense. He's just such a freak, such an outlier. They just makes it pointless to even try and do practically. But if for whatever reason he falls out of bounds or whatever, he's not ready to go. Yeah, they should try and push it. They should try and find easy baskets any way they can. But so connected to that, we know for a fact Ishmith is most effective in transition. The best way to neuter Ishmith is to not let him get out and run. As such, every single minute that Giannis is on the bench, Ishmith has to be in the game because that's the only shot Ishmith is going to have at getting out and running. So, and that's a pretty simple thing. So, if that's something that the Pistons actually do more or less, that's actually a good sign for, you know, the potential of Dwayne Casey having learned from past mistakes and trying to have better things ready schematically for the playoffs. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it is a good idea, Koo. And if they get the chance to, they should try and run to get any easy points they can. But, it's pretty much a hopeless endeavor. I just quite frankly. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah, you're all right. The whole series is kind of a hopeless endeavor, but that is the hopeless of the hopeless endeavors. That is the most hopeless of the hopeless. I think, I think this whole series is a hopeless endeavor. So hope guys hit shots. Okay. Hope guy. I'm not, okay. is that, is Here's what really you're hoping to do in the half court. Okay. Who, what are we going to do in the one, half court? You're putting Brook Lopez. They, if you have if every single front screen, of you, you can. If the right? Bucks get you whoever he's them, guarding, and, and, they, and worth, you're in the half court, you're not going to be able to do anything. If the Bucks much. put him, had him guard Bruce Brown out the start of games, then just basically not guard him. If that's the case, you're giving the ball to Bruce Brown, and you're saying Bruce Brown is running pick and rolls with Andre. You are making Brook Lopez get out of the paint, and you're attacking him hoping you can get to the hoop and force help and kick it out and hope your shooters hit shots. That's what you're doing in the half court or hope, or I, the best scenario would be Blake is able to actually play. And then you do the two man game and all the stuff Blake does. If Blake isn't ready to go, whether he's not playing or you can't rely on him to do the stuff that you want him to do, 
That's what you're doing. You're running pick and rolls, and you're getting guys rolling to the hoop, in particular Andre, because as much as Brook Lopez is big, he's fundamentally sound. The dude can't jump over a phone book. Andre can finish lobs over him. So that's what you're doing. That's what you're trying to do in the half court. It's not a good option, but I'm just telling you, they have no, literally, you cannot run against this team. It simply does not work. It's not going to happen. I'll, I'll say back to you is this. I'd rather I'd rather get the offensive rebound and not even try not even okay. just well, fa- not fair, even right? fast break Folks points to where you're just running offense. it that is running straight to the hoop and just hoping okay. to do something. Um, I'd again, rather us just get the Blake offensive rebound. Right. Finding get fast on the court and try to get a three while they're scrambling back is going to be I'd rather that yeah, here's another thing to touch on, okay? Is that so the Bucks ranked first in defensive efficiency this season? But part of the reason is for the same reason why, you know, so like it's not that different from the Pistons because the Pistons don't allow very many fast break points either. And so the Pistons ranked like 12th, I think, at the end of the season. When you watch them play, you think, man, they can't guard anybody. How do they rank near the top 10 at all? The reason is because obviously transition offense is way more efficient than half court offense for any team at all, right? And so simply by the nature of not allowing transition points, you make your overall defense stronger. So the Pistons are actually a pretty bad half-court off, half court defense, but just because they keep teams out of transition, overall they look better. In the half-court, the Bucks' defense is just pretty good. It's not the best defense in the NBA. It's just pretty good. It's so like as, an, as a cross point, okay, the Oklahoma City Thunder love to go for offensive rebounds, and so they do have a tendency to let teams get out in transition, but in the half-court, they're absolute monsters. Right, they're better in the half court than the Bucks are. So the reality is that actually the Bucks are not this absolute terrifying force in the half court. They have some holes. Chris Middleton doesn't always move that well. Brooke Lopez does not move that well. Whoever the extra guy on the floor is, whether that normally it would have been Malcolm Brogdon, but he's hurt, so it'll probably be. Um, I think I actually saw that. Even though Nikola Mirotic, I guess, is actually going to play in this series, he's probably going to play in Game One, even if he's ready to go. Um, Oh shoot! I can't remember his name. The guard, six foot six guy. Oh my gosh! I cannot remember his name. Who? No, 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 no. He's the guy who um uh he had the he's like six foot six, not the white guy. Yeah, Sterling Brown. He's gonna not start the... even if um Nikola Mirotic is ready to go. Sterling Brown is gonna start, right? whatever his um, name so is. So Sterling Brown is he's strong, but he doesn't move that great. He's not like a really high level defender. He's He's tough, but he's still young, still learning, etc. So they have holes you can exploit potentially in the half court. The problem is you literally you cannot run against this team. You will not get transition points. It is a futile exercise. Just that it's just the reality of the situation. Like trying to run against them, I don't know what the best comparison would be. Trying to run against this team would be like trying to, I don't know, it'd be sort of like trying to. All right, so just on this example, right? It'd be like trying to keep Giannis Antetokounmpo from dunking on you occasionally. It's just, it's not going to work. It is a futile exercise. So, yeah, they should look for some early offense if they can get it. They cannot pass up open shots no matter when it is, but they're not going to get out in transition. So, and that said, when Giannis is not on the floor, they can go for it then because then there's at least a chance 
But when Giannis is on the floor, it's a lost cause to even try and run out in transition. So, yeah. Sorry, Coop. <laughs> the whole thing is a lost cause. You are right. This is a lost cause. This series is a lost cause. I mean, I, hey, I'm just trying, trying to pick between the worst evils. Is all I'm trying to do. And the part of the thing that makes it even worse, see, I'll say this. I'll, I'll do. I'll say what's rough about yeah, both scenarios. Exactly. If you try to run, even even does not even so consider I mean the by fact that Milwaukee is a, it's a the demonic most transition the defi- defensive team. It's the Pistons one don't of the have Pistons any very many athletes at all, anyways, to take advantage against of running literally against anybody. the so biggest not, strength. That 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 it's makes just, it hard. It's not going to so happen. That, Okay. Well, see, this is this. Okay, maybe I didn't articulate the way myself correctly. I didn't. I, I, fast break points. I mean, like what you said, the quick offense. If you get, if you can get Ish Smith in there, Ish Smith will get to the rim, and Giannis may try to chase him down, or people may try to block him. But usually, when you see Ish going in transition, that still creates open threes like early in the shot clock okay. for Luke Kennard. Yeah, so he, think, he loves I to find Luke over on the right, point, right, right wing, Is right corner. If Blake's not ready, he to usually go, finds people on the perimeter because he cannot defenses are scrambling. So if you, you can get early threes the, in the shot clock from the defense you scrambling, have that you can do it every time, around. which is why I was trying. You to need play. to get the ball but, right up the court and get into whatever you're getting into. You can't afford to just aimlessly waste ten seconds of the shot clock, right? You need to get right up the court, get into your stuff. You're facing a really good defense, and the guy who's normally your safety valve for these things isn't able to do it. So you can't screw around, get up the floor, get right into whatever you're doing. That yes. I agree with. Okay, that's that's fair. That's fair. And also, for that was just me talking about the, my little transition idea. The, the other bad thing about this half court is, and Joe's, Joe has talked about it a little bit, the Pistons don't have – like even if you – the the holes that he was talking about in the in the half court defense for the Bucks, yeah, that would be fine if the Pistons had like a singular creator, a shot creator or like anybody. But Andre's not going to create his own buckets. Wayne Ellington isn't going to go out there and make his own buckets. You, uh, okay. Reggie Jackson has, thing, is right? not the person even we used to know, and about with Jackson, with he's the fact probably going to be best in the pick and roll, and he's still not right? even the Which best. Is true. He's not okay. even what if we used we to look know at in that. Since whatever and the person that, that you was, usually right? have since take he care got of healthy, that is Blake Griffin, and he's not even pretty good this season. Okay, even if you include the whole season, he put up pretty good numbers. He's going against one of the best defenders at his position in the NBA. Okay, like so, this isn't even a well. Reggie Jackson's not that good. Reggie Jackson could be old school Reggie Jackson, and you'd still be saying, look, he's going to have a monstrous defender guarding him, yeah. an absolute monster, okay? And Eric Bledsoe doesn't get asked to do that much on offense either. So he's putting all of his effort into slaughtering whoever he guards, right? So it's not even just a matter of, well, Reggie Jackson's not the guy he once was, which is true. It's that Reggie Jackson is going to get his lunch money eaten. Reggie Jackson being able to functionally run pick and rolls and not commit constant turnovers and occasionally hit open shots is what you have to be hoping for because he's going against a guy who is just that level of a defender, right? 
you cannot hope for Reggie Jackson to be your creator in isolation because he's going against a defender who's that level of good. That's the reason you cannot count on Reggie Jackson to be that guy here. Yeah. Which, that's another reason why, for it's worth, Luke Kennard being on on point is really important because Luke Kennard is probably going to actually catch some of their weaker defenders. So he may actually have a shot yep, at it. Yep, I agree. Right? So, like, even if Blake Griffin's healthy, right? Blake Griffin is going to have Giannis. Reggie Jackson is going to have Eric Bledsoe, right? Both of those guys, even if you say they're totally healthy, totally ready to go, both of those guys are going to have a real, real tough go of it, right? Like, just simply put. So they need to have their secondary guys be ready to go and really be on point. They need to have that. They cannot afford to have their shooters miss shots. They can't afford to have Ish Smith not be hitting shots when he takes them. They cannot afford to have Luke Kennard not be out there creating for himself. Because the guys who are on this team to create are having incredibly difficult matchups to go against. So, yeah. And once again, this is another reason why the Bucks are literally the worst matchup the Pistons could have drawn. Yeah, I'm I'm starting Bruce Brown because um, it's the one opportunity you have to have a matchup that you can kind of live so with. I'll, I'll I ask guess, you this last question, which is Bruce Brown guarding here. Do, you, do you still start Bruce Brown um, to, on offense? Okay, so let me be clear. Right when I say that is like it's like okay when you compare him to Giannis, right? Giannis is a singular defensive force, right? But Giannis like you just said, Eric Bledsoe isn't relied okay. upon to do as Eric much on Bledsoe, defense. So if he's going to be a total, scores, he still scores like sixty points. He puts up production a little bit more than what Reggie Jackson does on offense. Right, his production is a little bit higher. That's still pretty. I mean, in the overall scheme of things, it's still a pretty central role in the offense. Just he's not asked to way overexert himself, so he's able to fully unleash himself on defense. Is what I'm saying. Right, he's rarely going to be asked to do so much on offense that his defense is going to suffer. Giannis can have that happen, actually, and does sometimes. That's the one thing with his defense is that sometimes he gets a little bit lazy because he does a ton on offense, right? So that's the main thing with that. But that's the one opportunity, literally the only opportunity you have to have a matchup that you go, I actually, on paper, this should be okay. So especially if you want to go with the strategy you were suggesting of put Andre Orthon on Giannis and just, stick to everybody else and make Giannis beat you by scoring 50 points, right? Especially if that's the strategy you want to go with, then you definitely want Bruce out there because Bruce is the only guy who's going to have a, who actually could have a good shot at being a good defender of Eric Bledsoe. So that's the only one of the big three for the Bucks that you have a chance of actually giving issues to, right? You have nobody who has really any shot to guard Giannis. You have nobody who really has any shot to guard Chris Middleton. So you put Bruce on Eric Bledsoe so that you can say, okay, we've got at least one of these guys that we're confident we can guard one-on-one. Now, that said, Bruce Brown is a rookie. There's been some guys, even though this is a matchup that on paper he should be able to do okay in, if Bruce is like, no, nah, he can't stick with him, then he's pulled right away. He can't play, right? If he's not bringing it on defense, if he can't hold up on defense, he's pulled right away. But, yeah, that's the just because of the fact that it's the one spot it's the one matchup that the Pistons can go look at and go, well, this actually could work out okay for us. So I'm I'm starting him at least. 
I suppose it depends on how daring. It uh, my on only how... question is whether okay. the plus of Bruce Bruce's defense on Eric Bledsoe is so great, it's going to affect the game so much that it offsets him being a total zero on offense. Now, I'm not sure it does. It like if Bruce was going James Harden or Russell Westbrook and he was trying to shut one of those guys really down when they're like the number one option, like then okay. But, but Eric Bledsoe is actually does have a history of Eric Bledsoe down that worth Casey losing has, your offense, which is that that's, he is that's not quick question. to make adjustments in the playoffs, and he also doesn't like to do any big, huge adjustments. He's a guy who likes to get sort of a scheme and a system in place and stick with that. Okay, so for instance, if they're playing against the Boston Celtics, okay. I would say with absolute certainty, they're going to have their center guard, Bruce Brown, and they're not going to guard him. And it's going to destroy the offense. Absolutely, unquestionably. If the Bucks, if I were in charge of the Bucks, I would do that. I would say Bruce is technically going to be guarded by um, by Brooke Lopez, and you're just not going to guard him. And that's that, okay? I'm not actually totally sure that they're going to do that, just because Mike Budenholzer has that as a little bit of a bugaboo. that he. I'm not sure that he's going to want to do that. And the other thing is that there is at least some thought process to it. Bruce is capable of putting it on the floor, right? Bruce is a pretty active cutter. If you just leave him alone, he's going to cut into the open space, hypothetically. I'm not saying that's enough to make up for it, but that's what they're going to be thinking about. And Mike Budenholzer is a sort of coach, so he's going to be hesitant to do that. So if you start Bruce and they do that, all right, they just outright do not guard him. Not just they're they're helping way off him, literally not guarding him, okay? They're doing what the Golden State Warriors did to Tony Allen back in the day, where they literally did not defend him. They did not care what Tony Allen did. They were not going to put anybody on him. If they're doing that, then yeah, get him out of there. He's not going to, you can't have that. You cannot survive with that. But I think that they're probably going to actually guard him. They're going to have someone out there. It's going to be an issue for the offense, but I think you're going to live with it because you need somebody to – because, okay, if you have – if you start Luke Kennard and then either Reggie Jackson or Luke Kennard is guarding um, Eric Bledsoe and then probably Wayne Ellington is probably going to have to guard Chris Middleton, okay? You open yourself up to the potential that Eric Bledsoe and – Chris Middleton are both going to be on fire. And then it doesn't matter what you do to Giannis, right? Giannis doesn't even have to try and you're getting slaughtered, right? So you want to at least set yourself up to the fact that you have to force Giannis to try to beat you, right? So I'd say, yeah, you start Bruce Brown. I mean, I think the, here's, Here's the bigger thing, right, is that um reason why I'd be okay with starting Bruce is that even if you keep up with how you I'm get, not sure I right? do. I, I, Bruce I is still only playing like 20 minutes Luke. a game. It's just a he's starting thing. So I'm not sure it's that I'm playing Bruce, Bruce really heavy minutes to try and guard Eric Bledsoe. But I don't know, especially because of the fact that we've seen there's a lot of evidence that Luke just, for whatever reason, he doesn't mesh as well when he starts, right? It just doesn't click the same. Um, I would probably start off with, uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. This is the starting lineup that has worked for us this season, so let's roll with it for now. Um, the thing that worries me is that if it gets torched, I've got very little faith in Dwayne Casey to make an adjustment. So, like, if they come out and the Bucks do just outright not guard Bruce Brown and their starters and the starters get torched, I do not have a lot of faith that Dwayne Casey is going to make the adjustment that's needed. But, yeah, I don't know.
I think I think that part of the problem with Luke not meshing with them is the fact that you have well, Blake the out there thing, who's going to be creating everything, that, and then you got Reggie the thing that and Luke all that. Would with really Blake Hamper, I think having Luke out there as another creator to take advantage of that, and that would help could us force more than, Lopez than into uncomfortable uh, situations. Right? It would help us more than Bruce's defense. Was, so. so yeah, I mean, look, because of I think that for the Pistons to make this competitive, Luke is going to have to be really good, and he's going to have to play a lot of minutes. Right. Luke is playing starters minutes. I'm just, I'm not sure that I'm screwing with the situation of Luke coming off the bench. Just because I think that that's something that has mostly worked. Um, So, yeah, I think that I'd I'd roll with that. That's something that I am worried about, is that Dwayne Casey, who is, okay. He's not going to. I hope it does. Man, like, where... We're gonna just going to play close games. our eyes, and we're gonna believe that Dwayne Casey has no, learned from about the it all. Past. I know it. It's just not. We're gonna just happen. gonna close our eyes and believe, and we're gonna live in this no, until no, we, until we, the series it, starts. We're I've just been given no evidence over this for just a little while longer. That Dwayne Casey. No, there's no way. Well, actually, yeah. and for what it's worth. If once again, as I've said before, I have basically no faith this could happen. But let's just say Dwayne Casey actually is serious when he says, "I've learned from my mistakes." I'm so we're going to deal with this next season. The Pistons actually do make a lot of these, do make some adjustments. Right? They don't do the stupid. We're just going to stick doing this bad thing over and over again and not change anything. That would bode really well for their future. Just for what it's worth, that would be a big picture thing because. If they don't, and it's the same old Dwayne Casey, that would bode really poorly because then even if they make some good off-season moves and they come out next season they're really good, I'd still spend the entire season just thinking they're going to get to the playoffs and they're going to blow it because that's what the Raptors did every single postseason. So, And guess what? They're probably not going to end up being as good in the regular season as the Raptors were, right? And the Raptors still managed to blow it every single postseason. So, yeah, that's a thing to watch because if he's as bad as he was with the Raptors, it's going to really dampen my ability to think positively about the team going forward, just to be honest. So, for now, we're just going to put ourselves in this happy place where he's learned from his mistakes. I'm going to for my sanity. Yeah, I mean, I'm yeah, not putting myself not. in nothing. <laughs> that I little, can't even. That little bold wealth thing you said, yeah, that little bold wealth. If he does actually change that bold wealth for the future, yeah, if I walk outside and see a million dollars, it's going to bold wealth for my future too. It's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. And and God forbid, Do just I, please, Jesus Christ, please. I to break the please, are going to run his own. For, for heaven's sake, please, if there's one thing you could ever grant me, like, please like do not let the Bucks happen. run his own. Because if I, if I see the Bucks it. run his own at any point in game one, I'm because probably just going to turn the game off. Just, I know what I'm going to see. It's just going to be awful. It's something the Pistons can't deal with. So I would honestly be somewhat right, So if the Bucks run his own, I promise you guys, I'll turn the game off until they stop. And especially because they've got the personnel to do it, too. Right, it fits I will really guarantee well. the pistons game Brooke Lopez stay in the paint, and then they've got long defenders on the perimeter that they can rotate around and not give up an open three. Right, 
like they've got the personnel for it. I don't know how often they ran it this season. One funny thing is that there were some people, a lot of people were, there's people, apparently someone wrote an article on Bleacher Report about how the Bucks have kind of struggled against the zone in the past because Giannis can't shoot. So it, it leaves them open to that. So like the Pistons should run a zone. Yeah, that's not going to work. The Pistons don't have, one of the keys to a zone working is having really long defenders, right, on the perimeter because you have to make up for the fact that you could have to guard more guys than you actually have. That's literally the Pistons' biggest weakness, is they don't have length on the perimeter. A zone is not going to work. <laughs> like, just telling you guys that right now. The Pistons literally have the, other than Andre, they could not have worse personnel to run a zone. Literally. Would not be possible to have worse personnel. The Bucks, on the other hand, have really good personnel for it. So, um, the only reason the Bucks might not run a zone is if they basically are like, we know we're going to slaughter the Pistons either way, so we're not going to put this zone on film for round two. That's the only reason that they won't, I think. So, yeah. Yeah. So um, we can probably wrap up then with official prediction, Koo. Official prediction for the series. 4-0. Are the games close or are they blowouts? You guys are going uh, to start regretting it. We will go with the assumption that. that Blake is going to play and he's going to be at least semi healthy. So he's not going to be the Blake that is literally a detriment to the team. He's not all the way healthy, but he's at least like, he's closer to post-All-Star is break Blake, healthy? Blake. Where, yeah, he's not doing the same stuff he was earlier, but he's at least like not a total and he's he's there he's able to do some of the stuff he does normally 4-1 are the games blowouts how do they win a game okay so basically Blake does what he did against OKC and the other guys are hot too okay 4-1 yes Blake, Blake, Luke, Galloway, and all of them hit threes. Pistons and six, baby. Yep, that's absolutely It's going to take Pistons Blake going off for nine threes or something like that. It. It's like six, five threes for us. Here's what's going to happen, like okay? That. Opening of game one. Giannis Antetokounmpo is very fired up. Joe, stop. He's coming up the lane, up the floor after the opening tip. Joe, Come stop. Give us the realistic He sees Thon Maker guarding him. It's like, give us the, this dude cannot give us stay the in prediction. front of me. Improperly blows past him. Andre is out guarding Brooke Lopez and is not there to meet him at the rim. Giannis is so excited about how badly he's about to slaughter the Pistons. He goes in for the dunk, but he dunks it too hard, and he breaks his hand. Giannis is now out of the series. Pistons onward to victory. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> no, um, I think the Pistons have a good chance to steal a game. Pretty much same reason that you did. I mentioned it earlier. Um, they've got enough shooters that there's a decent chance that they all get hot and they steal a game like that. Uh, other than that, though, no, they. I don't see it. Especially good night, Blake's everybody. Not right. Um, once again, the Bucks are a phenomenal team, and they couldn't be a worse matchup for the Pistons. So yeah, they're they. This series is going to be an exercise in futility, quite frankly. Uh, okay, where are you gonna get it? On your wrist. Okay, 
I really hope they win game one now. I'm holding you to that. I'm about to. I'll I'm get about, a tattoo about to of game one out. score if we win game one. I'm about to tweet this out. So if you don't come through, the internet's going to come after you. On my wrist. All right. Cool. Now yep. I really need them to win game one. All right. So, yeah. Um, last thing, I suppose. Uh, game cool. Are you going to go to either of the home games? Why not? I'm go. I'm probably going to game three. Then a lot, they sounds like a lot of people are going to go to game three. This not going to happen. I don't know. Probably not. That's pretty boring. This is this is what I'll say. I don't know if I'll enjoy the environment as much as people make it out to be. I don't I know if I'll enjoy being crowded, not being able to move, game, not being able to see the players on the court, people standing in front of me. I'd rather just sit at home, be able to watch. So what the if game, they don't play like trash? Would you fun. enjoy being there? Now, Joe, if I can't see Why? the game I mean, and people are standing short, in front so of me, I can't move. Brain, I can't scoop to, to the side to see what's happening. If I can't being like being being five foot nothing is an issue. No, that, that's because simply we play like trash. That's why. Can, no, because can I you, be able to see you, them not Can you my prove trash. them wrong? Me wrong right now, Koo? Can you prove to me that you are taller than? No, five that's foot not nothing? the problem. The problem is I don't have my glasses. So if if we're not... yeah, <laughs> people never Everybody's lie in their lying. height in high school huddle, ever. Never happened. My glasses broke. So okay, so that's it. Um, we both think the Pistons could maybe steal a game. No, I but can't. That's about it. Uh, Actually, if you guys want to, yeah. you guys can go check out my high school huddle. It has my height. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, what you're talking we can about. do that. That's okay. Um, so if you don't care about what we think about other NBA stuffs, um, you can turn it off. But yeah, we wait, can talk Joe. About I have one last question. This is a Pistons podcast, okay, so I don't so care. So we'll start in the East, right? So what, what's your, I want to know what your predictions are for the rest Pistons, of the first Bucks, round. Bucks and five. That's what I'm going there. Um, the other one, Raptors versus Magic. I'm going to go Raptors. I'm going to go Raptors in four. Um, the Magic The Magic do uh, have a few got, things that can up. give them issues. Um, the, the Raptors don't have particularly mobile big guys. So the DJ Augustine and... Uh, um, also, Evan Fournier, but basically the Nikola Vucevic pick and pops Oof. is going to be an issue for them. So, like Andre, one of the reasons that the Pistons usually did pretty well against the Magic this year is that Andre is so quick on his feet that he really can neuter that. Um, the Raptors don't really have anybody, so they start. They're starting Marcus All. Um, he's not that quick anymore. Uh, Serge Ibaka is not that quick anymore, so that's going to be an issue for them. Also, the 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 Magic do have a couple of guys to throw at Kawhi. They've got Aaron Gordon. They've got um, Jonathan Isaac that they could throw at Kawhi to give Kawhi issues. But, um, yeah, I just – here's the thing, okay? The Magic – I like DJ Augustine. The Magic don't have a point guard, really, right? The Magic were, like, the first team in a long time to have, like, four or five different guys who all average three-plus assists per game. The reason is because they don't really have a point guard. And – the reality is that in the playoffs, you need that guy who can just break down a defense on his own and create stuff from nothing, and they really don't have that guy. Nikola Vucevic is a good scorer, but he's not a guy who's going in and breaking down a defense. I mean, He never gets to the line because he doesn't penetrate. He doesn't really get to all the way to the hoop that often. He's just really, really skilled. Um, so they just don't really have that guy, so I think they're going to really struggle to score. And I think that Kawhi Leonard's going to, 
turn it up a gear and he's they're not going to be able to really stop him, even though they've got a couple guys to toss at him. Also, Kyle Lowry has low-key really come out and played the last two playoffs. Um, so even though the Raptors as a whole have gotten that, you know, reputation as chokers, Kyle Lowry's actually really played well, and he's going to be getting guarded by DJ Augustine. So he's going to be able to get almost whatever he wants. Uh, yeah, so I think... I wouldn't be shocked if the Magic won a game. I actually wouldn't even be shocked if the Magic managed to get, like, two games. But I'd say most likely this is going to be a sweep. Six. All right. Why do you think think Magic are going to win two games? Okay. You believe that. Okay. So then the three versus six is... Raptors and six. I'm not a hater of Aaron yep. Gordon. I just don't think he's going to win you two playoff games. I already told you, my man, Aaron Gordon, he's showing up in the playoffs. He's here. He's finally here, my man. He's going out there. He's going to get the like, two games. When you talk about a guy winning you a playoff game, I'm thinking Blake Griffin coming out. I'm thinking Blake Griffin dropping Joe's 50 a hater on the of box to win a playoff game. <laughs> okay, okay. May, okay, he's not going to be the – he's I not going to go out like there said, and score 50. They do have some real things that they can do to – Contribute and if the Raptors some issues. Game. I just don't think it's going to be enough to okay, really I, make I up understand. for the fact that the Raptors are just pocket. a lot better. Okay, so, okay. Yeah. okay. I got a little six. out of pocket, um, but Aaron Gordon's going to perform very well, Nets. and they're gonna, he's going to be part of the reason why um, they win two games. Drum roll, please. Nets in seven. We know for a fact that Joel Embiid is not all the way healthy. Nets in seven. Here's the thing, okay? So, as you know, we've gotten into some discussions Are we assuming that Joel Embiid's healthy or no? Okay? No, but so here's the thing, all right? So One of my just, main we, so we're assuming that he's just not going to get to My man's doesn't not get to the free throw My man's doesn't get to the free throw line, okay? Here's the thing. Especially if Joel Embiid's got a bad wheel. They're going to have him sag way no, back. No, we're not doing it. We're not doing it here. Three point line. You know what's going to be wide open, mid-range, and floaters? You know who has literally made his entire living this season off of mid-range and floaters? D'Angelo Russell. So you know what? I'm going all in on this, that D'Angelo Russell is going to be able to continue to do that for at least this series. And he's going to cause them huge issues because their entire defense is set up to let him get those shots, and he's going to hit them. And he's going to be the key. And then Kuka Hill's going to come on here and go, Joe, I told you, this man just won them a series. I'm going to go, that's right, Koo. He did. Also, screw the Sixers. I'll say this. I'll say And, well, here's the thing, okay? D'Angelo Russell is good enough at them that the analytics will say he's good enough to take them. And here's the issue. Yes, that's also Most of the time, and the reason why I complain about this. By the way, since Joe said it, if the mid-range and floors are always open, it's something that you can take. I don't care what the analytics say. He's not able to punish you. If they give you that all the time. If Joel Embiid's got a bad wheel, he's not going to do that. He hates doing that even when he's all the way healthy because he's kind of lazy. Like, let's just be honest about this, okay? Joel Embiid does not always – he moves really well, but he gets tired quick, okay? If he's got a bad wheel, there's no way they're going to want to do that. And here's the other thing. 
Kenny Atkinson, the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets, that dude can coach. You know who's probably going to get schemed out of a playoff series for the second time in a row? Ben Simmons. He's going to get schemed out of a playoff series. We know what Tobias Harris does in crunch time when you ask him to create for himself. It's not going to work that well. So it's going to come down to Jimmy Butler trying to score on, like, Rondé Hallis Jefferson, who's a good defender. I think the Nets are going to win this game, this series in seven games. D'Angelo Russell is going to hit a bunch of floaters and a bunch of mid-range shots, because and the Sixers are not going to have an adjustment no, to stop him from that. getting all these wide-open shots. Because Joel Embiid, with a ba- even when Joel Embiid is healthy, he hates to take that extra step out. He hates it. When he's got a bad wheel, he's definitely not going to be able to do it. D'Angelo Russell is going to average 30 points a game in this series. I'll say this. I I promise you this right now. If D'Angelo Russell, if if the (laughs) Nets win this series. Okay. Okay. So if the, I'll tell you this much right now, if D'Angelo Russell averages 30 points in a seven game series in his first playoff appearance, I think if Joe doesn't boost him off his ranks after doing something like that, I will block Joe and I will mess with him ever again. If D'Angelo Russell comes out here in the most important time of the year, averages 30 and beats the Philadelphia 76ers, and he you doesn't need get a up guy rankings, who's going I'll to be able to get to the mid-range and kill them because they won't have any answer yes. for it, right? But if, he if the Pistons it. were playing the Sixers, okay, I would say Luke Kennard is going to have a heyday. I would say Reggie Jackson's floaters are going to have a heyday, okay? That's the area, okay? No, it's not just that, right? DeAndre Russell is really good in those areas, okay? And the Sixers are not – they simply do not have a way to counter that. If Joel Embiid's got a bad wheel. Now, Joel Embiid, even with a bad wheel, the Nets have nobody to guard him. No, so but Joel Embiid has a tendency already on his own to sort of get go. to be Anyways. like, um, you know, a black hole on offense. Like, that's already kind of an issue. I think that's going to be a bigger issue here. So, and I just, I'm also kind of counting on that. This Sixers team, they still haven't really figured out what they want to be with all these new guys. They still haven't gelled all the way. The Nets, they are gelled all the way. They know exactly what they are. They know exactly what they want to do. So I, this is like, look, okay, this is partially being facetious because screw the Sixers, but I actually think the Nets have a real shot at an upset here. I think that this is a matchup that the Nets can take advantage of. I seriously think that. Okay, so my my final pick will be 76ers and seven. And part of the reason is D'Angelo Russell is going to shut up all his haters because he's a demon. And at some point, you guys are going to have to realize that there's other ways to dominate basketball games. And second, Karis LeVert yeah, is, so like, is coming back. I don't know yeah, if anybody so like, has been paying attention. He's been heating up. He looked like he was like, getting back to healthy. Thing, okay. He looks so, like he was getting back to what we thought he was at the beginning of the season. He looked like the next coming star game, for the right? Nets. Which they don't He's getting anymore. back. So I mean, if they have ben him is kind of getting back to around the form don't play and getting healthy, and DeAndre Russell continues to do what I think he'll do, I think they can end that mid-range area and also are a good passer. I don't see them winning the series. Also in the mid-range, really good passer. Karis LeVert, good in the mid-range, good passer. Spencer Dinwiddie, good in the mid-range, good passer. 
I think they're going to get absolutely torn apart. I think they're going to get shredded. I actually do think that. I, even if the Sixers win, I think they're going to get shredded by the Nets' offense. I seriously think that. You could not have a better group of guards. Other, and obviously, there's guys who are just better. Like, obviously, you'd rather have, like, Steph Curry, but that's just because Steph Curry is better, right? You could not have a better archetype of players on a team than the Nets to try and go at this this Sixers team. So I think this is a matchup made in heaven for D'Angelo Russell. I think D'Angelo Russell is going to make absolute hay against this team. Like, I do, I seriously think that. I did, I've never said that taking them isn't allowed. I've said that I'm not sure that I want a guy as my number one offensive option who's not able to balance out. Who's not able so to balance out to, his before we go on to the next series? I want everybody else to listen okay. to Joe right now. He's he's saying that taking mid rangers and floaters did you my, is, did, is allowed. Did you, did you, you read my Luke Kennard piece that went up just a little bit ago? There, okay, I talk. I spent quite a bit of time talking about this. It's especially valuable these days when you have a guy who's it's so D-Lo. good in those areas that he makes it analytically palpable to do so because almost all defenses are now designed to give you those shots. So when you have guys who can get in those areas, it really works, right? It causes issues for defenses. And the Sixers are a defense, especially right now, especially with Joel Embiid having a bad wheel, where that's the worst thing that they could run into is a guy who can get into those areas and is going to hit those shots. This is a matchup tailor-made for D'Angelo Russell. He could not have asked for anything better in the first round of the playoffs. I think he's going to show up. I think he's going to do it. Well, okay, here's the thing, okay, Ku? You, like, arbitrarily decided that my ranking of him was lower than I actually was. The only so thing that I said about Russell, Russell like, literally last thing, and then we I have would, to go to the I'm not sure that I want to give him the bag. Up, as shows my up and balls out, like you say, he does right? perform. Is That's he moving up your ranking for doing it in so the playoffs? I think that he's absolutely a guy whose scoring ability would be useful on any team. I'm just not sure that I want him to be the number one option on my team, right? This is a series tailor made for him. If he comes out and he shows out and he dominates this series like I think he could, yeah, that would definitely be an improvement for him. Like that definitely knock him up just because knock him up. <laughs> that definitely put him up just because doing it under the bright lights is always impressive. But this is the sort of thing that I would have thought no matter what. This is it's tailor made to his abilities. This is where he thrives. They're going they their defense is set up to allow you to get open shots in the areas that D'Angelo Russell thrives in. So they're gonna struggle defensively. I'm not sure who like who's D. Is Delo guarding Tobias Harris? Like, I don't know what they're going to do on defense, but I think that they are going to give him the shots that he wants to take, and that should that's that scares me if I'm the Sixers. Okay. Um. So the next one is the four versus five, which is Boston versus Indiana. Um. Yeah, I kind of want to say that, but here's the thing. Well, me and Joe both I think Boston both think is just kind of screwed up. The Nets can pose a like, real problem. I, I just want to believe they're gonna win. I got that they're going to put it together and start playing the way that we all know that they should be. But they haven't all season. They've been kind of screwed up all season. Like, 
So Boston I don't know. Five. I think Boston's gonna win. I go. I I guess I'll make my official prediction. Boston five, also. But I tell you what. Yeah. But I I just there's something about that team that has just not been right all season on multiple different levels. So I don't know. I wouldn't be shocked if Indiana made this series. I would not be shocked if Indiana won this series, just because. If just because of the fact Oladipo, that it'd be completely different. I'd be close to saying right, uh, Indiana, but I'm going to count on the on the idea that Boston's going to do what a lot of really really talented teams do, which is that you get to the playoffs and suddenly all of the petty things that have been bothering you before kind of go away and everybody comes together and plays well. They're going to take care of business. I would be extremely shocked if they won. Okay, to the west to the Western Conference, one versus eight. Golden State Warriors versus the Los Angeles Clippers. Yeah, 4-0, 4-0, no question. Um, the Clippers are a nice story. Uh, they they stand no chance in this series. I think they stand less of a chance in this series than the Pistons do against the Bucks. Okay, well, nothing more to Boston say, really, five. right? Simple. Like, they're a good story. It's cool they made it this far. They stand no shot. 4-0. Um, next series, 2 versus 7. What even is the 2 versus 7? Um, it's 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 Denver Denver San Antonio. That's what it is. I'm pretty sure. I actually don't think it is. I think Denver's legit. I think they're as good as their record says they are. I think that they are the real deal. And I also think that Demar Derozan is a playoff choker. Is that? Is that- I think that actually would be is a is something I'm going to be watching. Demar Rosen is great. I voted him third team All NBA. He's great. He's also hugely underperformed in the playoffs every single year. Okay, so thank. Okay, all right. So let me just get this out the way. Yes, Demar Rosen. First of all, my. All right, so. And I'll say this. I'll say this. I first I'll say my prediction. I got Nuggets in six, but I'll say this: two things. One, Demar Derozan has excelled as a playmaker this year. He's improved under Greg Pop. And and second of all, that that first, that's going to be something that will help the Spurs in general. And then second, uh, as much as some, you know, as someone who hates Dwayne Casey as much as Joe does, he seems to just like throw that out the window when criticizing Demar. As if he wasn't playing underneath Dwayne Casey. Okay, okay. I think him playing under Greg Pop and will change things in the playoff. He won't be as it, the little I, I'm going to turn into an ISO player down the line, and we just going to say screw it. We're not going to do anything we did that made us successful. We're just going to do this now. It's not okay, going to happen. So and I think that Demar, Lamarcus Aldridge is, is a is a beast. They still isolate him just as much as so they ever did. So I think giving Greg they just Pop, have gotten him to be a better. Those passer, two guys okay? against they the play, team and the biggest they play thing for just me is as ugly and isolated. The Denver Nuggets aren't very good in the road at all. And second of all, this is the first playoff right? appearance. I think. Let's just be uh, clear about that. Lack yeah, of experience look, may haunt them against probably the best coach in NBA history. Demar Derozan is not the first guy to show up who is a really good player, but is a sort of guy that relies on drawing fouls in the mid range and guys biting on pump fakes and that sort of thing who gets to the playoffs and struggles. That's a player type that has long existed, right? Guys but like him. The pop. It just hasn't often been that a guy has been as good as DeMar DeRozan to have that happen to him, right? DeMar DeRozan struggles in the playoffs. LaMarcus Aldridge is a guy that I absolutely love, but here's the thing. the Denver's going to have solid post defenders on him the entire time, 
he's going to have a real tough living to make. He's going to have to score over Paul Millsap. He's going to have to score over Nikola Jokic, et cetera, et cetera. Like, they got a lot of guys to throw at him. So I don't think that he's going to be able to be so good that he can carry them on his own. And I don't know that the Spurs are going to hold up defensively. DeMar is not a plus defender. LaMarcus Aldridge is awesome. Um, they just, I think that the Spurs just don't have enough to compete in this series. And I also, I legitimately think that the Denver Nuggets are the real deal. I think they're stupendous. And they're going to call it, I think, so I, I think Denver in five. I'll give um, San Antonio a game out of respect for Greg Popovich and respect for LaMarcus Aldridge. But that's it. Okay. Three versus six is, um, that's, uh, that's, uh, OKC in Portland. Yeah. Um, Denver and seven. Yeah. OKC in Portland. OKC and six. Damian Lillard's going to be the best player in the series. Why? Joe. Oh. He's been seriously ready for it. I want. I want to hear this one, dude. Go ahead. They are. He's going to be ready for it this time, though. If there is one dude You're in the NBA crack. that I've got to have faith has worked relentlessly to be ready you for that. You do not see like, like that. the strategy thrown at him from last year against the Pelicans. You don't think that, you know, the Thunder are even a better team to do that I kind think, of strategy against in the half court? Yep, I think, yeah. Trailblazers. I'm going with the Trailblazers. Russell Westbrook. And see, that's not even a big thing choker. for me. I think Damian Lewis can be awesome too, but he lost Nurkic and McCollum's been hurt for like a while, lost and he's Donovan coming Mitchell back. Last so. year, man. Mm. Yeah. No, I got no, okay. I he got tried, okay. He tries to do too much. Russell Westbrook he, he falls and, out of and one Paul of the things George that's made it good together. this season, right? Is that um, he hasn't tried to do too much. He's been willing to let. He is uh, Paul George take over the offense for large stretches. He's recommitted himself on defense, etc. He tries he's to a, do too much. Choker? He can't help himself. He's going to try to do too Joe, much. Joe, please just come out. Also, you're trolling now. Stephen Adams please. might be hurt, right? He got hurt pretty badly, didn't he? He fell on his wrist or something like that. So I don't know if he's supposed to play or not, but he might not be a hundred percent. Okay, Portland in seven, and then the four versus five, Houston versus the Utah Jazz. Houston in four. Yep. Not a contest, I don't think. Yeah, man. I, I I really do not. Yeah. I don't think that there's Yeah, okay, I don't I six. don't think that they the Jazz stand a chance in this series. They got slaughtered by the same team last year. I think they stand no chance this year. Houston in four. Yeah. So okay. So that's what we got here. Um anything else you want to talk about before we go? So, uh, yeah, listen to us on all the different places. Make sure to subscribe. Um, Read my playoff preview that went up. Also, you can read my um, piece on Luke Kennard that went up on my site a little bit ago. Koo, do you want to plug any pieces recently? Okay. (laughs) You got a few that are going to be coming out soon. You were talking about, so 
Nope, that's Make it. sure you check out Piss and Powered for all the latest stuff from Koo. Um, and, uh, yeah, before we go, I'll just say that, um, by the, I'm going to guess that by the time the first half of game one of this series is over, nope, don't um, have any. We're going to all miss Stanley Johnson and Reggie Bullock to a lesser Yeah, I got, I'm most of Stanley Johnson. We're going to miss both those guys an awful lot. I mean, you know, when you think about it, like with if they hadn't made that trade, I'd feel a whole lot better about either of those trades. I'd feel a whole lot better about this series. Thank God. Okay, because then you put Stanley. I'll on say this: Joe's lucky he just said it because as Joe was going to say, has that pissing bath boy and go pissing. I was going to scream. We're going to miss Stanley Johnson. So you've got Reggie Bullock for Chris Middleton, which isn't a great matchup, but at least Reggie Bullock is long enough. He's long enough that Middleton can't just shoot over him every single possession, right? Like, I feel. I already said this to Joe in the last podcast. Yeah, for sure. Better I mean, here's the thing that you have to remember is that when they made those trades widely, everybody said, you know what? This is the right thing to do. We're Don't better set up for next year, and we are better set up for next year. I already told Joe season. last podcast, but we yeah, would still have gonna, made the playoffs. And we, we said were already right starting to play good before we made Even the trades. We would have continued to play good. We would have made the playoffs, and we would have been better suited for the playoffs. We Bullock is still a better overall player. And even though I actually think that Thon overall has probably been better than Stanley Johnson was just like overall, but Stanley Johnson filled a big void on this team as that big wing defender a void that they are really going to miss. That is really going to be painful here. Yeah. Um, I, it doesn't have to be that quick coup. I mean, we got nothing but time. Um, I don't see Stanley Johnson happening because, as we've talked about before, uh, that was not just a – there was a little bit of a mutual parting there. Um, Quick I don't think no Stanley joke. Johnson would really want to come Quick back. And no also he's the podcast. Do you see the Pistons being interested so in bringing any, in either of those to try and get him back. back? And I think the Pelicans want to keep him. Um, he's a guy that the Pelicans have really liked for a while. So he's a guy that the Pelicans have really liked for a while. The Pelicans are going to be desperate for anything to cling on to after they trade away Anthony Davis. So I think they're going to want to keep him there. Uh, so, no, I think there's there's no chance Stanley Johnson comes back. Um, they'll probably have interest in By the way, Stanley played really well for him. Uh, the last, just because they last will need games, to sign really well for him. Um, and if you're curious about any of this, I actually wrote a piece doing a basic breakdown of like how the exceptions work, like the, the mid-level exception, the biannual exception, et cetera. Um, so if you want to look at a breakdown of that, you can look that up on my site. Um I'm not going to get into it all here because that'd take a while. But, yeah, so I think they look around at it. Um, Block clearly liked it here. He did have a chance to leave in free agency a couple years ago, and he decided to stay. Uh, so he clearly does like it in Detroit. Um, but I would probably guess no. My guess is that they're going to look at um, someone who's more of a defender and or more of a ball handler than Bullock. I think they're going to prioritize. They're not going to prioritize a really elite shooter with the guy that they go for for their wing. Which I'm not sure that's the right idea or not. But I just that's my feeling. Um, we've talked about before, and in particular, so when we um, 
um, some of the beat writers, in particular Vince has talked about this, that Dwayne Casey's scheme really wants more ball handlers on the floor, right? Guys who can do more with the ball in their hands. That's one of the reasons I like Spurs Brown. And that's one of the reasons why now he got away from that a bit, especially after Ish got injured. But one of the reasons why he likes to put why I like to put Reggie Jackson and Ish Smith on the floor at the same time. It's sorry, sorry. He likes to have more ball handling on the floor. So my guess is, and obviously, as we all know, um, perimeter defense is a huge issue for this team. So I think that they're going to focus on a guy who's a better defender and or a better ball handler creator and maybe not as good of a shooter as Bullock. Um, so I'd be surprised if Bullock came back. But they'll, they'll, he, they definitely have interest in him, especially if he, you know, he likes it enough here. So um, I wouldn't be shocked if they brought him back, but I would say it probably won't. Okay. Anything else? It has four games. We'll see about it next year. And the Pelicans will be bad enough that they'll probably give it a real try next year for what it's worth. So it's like six games. Let's not overreact to six games. Let's not overreact. Okay. All right. Let's Point Stanley was should have been happening. Okay. So we are going to miss Stanley Johnson in this series. There is no way around that. They're going to really miss him in this series. If they had Stanley Johnson they in this gave series, it one the series, I would be tempted to be ballsy enough to say, screw it. I no, think the Pistons are going to win. Nope, the Pelicans obviously saw what I've been seeing. <laughs> screw it. YOLO. Hashtag Pistons basketball, we miss Stanley Johnson. I think we could steal four games. Okay, so, um, yeah. Uh, good night, everybody. Uh, stay beautiful. And go... Pistons, Pistons and six, baby. Yeah, okay. See, see, Joe gets drunk with it because Blake's still hurt. If if we had Stanley and Blake wasn't hurt, I think we could steal two games. All right, all right. Good night, everybody.